What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Tuesday evening edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Carl Dukes of 99 Game is here. Carl, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Chase. Thanks for having me. Um, You know, we were just having a conversation about where sports is and, you know, is it back? Are we going to get it back? And if we don't, then what happens? (laughs) I don't want to think about that yet. I um, (laughs) I don't want to go down that road. Like a year... Of just no sports, essentially. Like I just, I don't, I don't want to think about that right now. It's day by day. I'm just gonna go day by day. Like my gut, and you can tell me where you're at with this too. But for me, I think professional sports I have a lot more faith in. I, I, the NFL, just too much money. They'll figure it out. College football, I will bet not happening this fall. And then the NBA having the best odds of making it through and crowning a champion is that the right order for you and mlb is just a toss-up i have no idea the mlb like i have just they're just doing regional stuff they're traveling they're doing all kinds of stuff before anybody else is doing that like i they're just the wild card that i i have no idea what about you well they all had you know the option of trying to do this bubble thing remember when back in march when this kind of first started and we were talking about you know training canceled for Major League Baseball. And the initial idea was, hey, we're going to go to Arizona and we're going to be in the bubble. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was all playing out. I just think logistically they realized that was not going to be the case. And think about this. Fast forward. What if Major League Baseball was getting ready to start in Arizona right now and the cases have spiked there as they have and the numbers have gone up? I, I don't know if that would have been the best idea. I do think their chances of making it through the season are less in the NBA, uh, MLS who's back as well, or, you know, for that matter, um, the NFL, simply because I think the travel is, is a factor. And, you know, it's only 60 games, but you're still you're still maneuvering and trying to figure things out. The NFL, I think you're right. I've been saying the phrase, and, you know, this goes back to the 08 economic crisis, which was they're too big to fail. We talked yes. about the banks, whether it was Chase or, you know, uh, any of the big banks, Bank of America, too big to fail. NFL is too big to fail. And so from that standpoint, they'll figure it out. But also you've got professional athletes that are getting paid. Right. And so they're willing to risk um, and take on that risk. You, you can't speak that way about college students or student athletes if you still believe that they are. And if the number one agenda is to protect the student athlete, then that has to be looked at differently. But, yes, I would say NBA in the bubble, best chance to get through – um, MLB, not as good a chance. And I do think the, the NFL will play. It just won't have fans. Yeah. Like when they're announcing like the 14,000 and all these, they're letting just NFL teams figure it out. Like, what is that? What are we doing? Like, it's the same stuff with COVID with States where it's just like, yeah, y'all do whatever you want. The federalism aspect of the NFL where you're just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Baltimore, you want to do a certain number? Cool. Atlanta, whatever you want to do. <laughs> It's fine. Like that. What are you doing? No, just say no for right now. Unless things change. Why are you even opening this up? Why are you letting teams decide? That's a recipe for disaster. Well, you know, the, the idea of this is that everybody has not wanted to impede on 
others' decision-making process. Yeah. And the reality is we've needed that. We've needed from a national, um, a statewide, and a local standpoint to say you will not be able to do these things because right. it is a public health issue. But because that hasn't happened, you've got entities like our professional sports leagues trying to make these decisions. And, you know, that they're making them, as you said, ad hoc as far as like, well, 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 well you won't let fans in. Okay, well, as I've been saying, what's changed that allows you to think that fans yes. are going to be able to go to games? Yeah. Nothing. I... I, it's just wild, and it's just they're living in fantasy land right now because they have more time than anybody else. And the NFL can keep pushing back because the TV, like Fox, they're cool. If you're, they're like, you want to start September 30th, that's fine with us. <laughs> like we 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 know what you're going to bring us when you're actually on television. We know you're the biggest juggernaut. Like people who talk about the NBA in college and like what the NBA Finals did versus like an average Week Eight Sunday NFL game is still just night and day. Like it's just not even close that the NFL will be safe. They're fine if they want to keep pushing back. That's fine. Um, then we're about college classes and everything else and just the optics of USC who's canceled classes and then having their football team on campus and playing just then it's over the facade of these are student athletes is is gone you just the optics would be so bad but then on the flip side if you wanted to sell well it'll be safer for those kids because everybody else is gone so they can it's easier to keep track of just the team by themselves and in the the student housing and all that kind of stuff with their own little bubble like ah maybe you could sell me on that a little bit but they're still college kids and i don't the numbers are just crazier and that's why the nba has a better shot than i think other leagues is that it's just smaller rosters mlb 60 per team and just it's a lot to keep track of in college so much to keep track of and I don't know. I the NBA I think just has the the best the best opportunity and LeBron James. He's he's not going to not going to allow it, which um I do think is is going to drive a lot of this is that the stars are like no. We're getting through this and just you don't want that uh the hotline the snitch hotline to be lit up from Chris Paul outing everybody. Like you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make it happen. Oh man. CP3's the snitch? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, after we get off this call, I can send you all the videos in the world of Chris Paul going to uh, officials. Remember what he did with the untucked jersey? Do you remember that? From I think oh, this was last Oh, yeah. Year. Like, oh, yeah. He does whatever he... I, I love Chris Paul, but he does whatever it takes to win. And that's that's part of his MO, which is, is okay. I, I like it. Um, in terms of your sports show, though, on 19 on the Game, which you just like wrapped up to come on my podcast to talk some more. So I appreciate uh, you doing that. I, that uh, I don't know if I could do it. I, I appreciate it. you're a better man than me. But when you look back from March to now, how how hard has it been to host this show Monday through Friday with no sports on? So Chase, what we didn't know, and I'll take you behind the curtain a little bit. Um, we were having meetings in early April about how long this might last and our plans from a show standpoint of how to attack the day and what we were going to be doing. The irony for me is um, I've been doing this a long time and my mantra has always been that content happens. Um, It happens when you don't want it to guys, do dumb things when you don't expect it. Yeah. Um, they step out against a player sign. Con- not supposed to. Yes. <laughs> player sign contracts when you don't, then you, you least expect things to happen. So in my experience, content is consistent and it always happens even when you don't think things are going on. So I say all that to get to, we're having these, these meetings about, you know, what, what are we going to be talking about? And my whole thing was relax. There's plenty to talk about, and I will tell you, the plan was we were going to do what we normally did, um, which was April coming off the draft or getting ready for the draft, which we actually had, which is huge, um, the NFL draft. We were going to talk about the aftermath of the draft. We were then going to get into, obviously, mini camp and training camps, which were virtual this year. And my whole mindset and process was we really don't have to worry until we get to midsummer. At that point, if we don't have baseball in Atlanta, as you know, many people may or may not know our, our soccer team here, whether you think MLS is minor league or major league, it's a big deal. And people take it seriously. And the support has shown that 
if you're not going to have those games and you're not going to have the Braves, okay, now in the middle of the summer is when we start going, all right, what are we doing? How are we dealing with this? But here's the irony, Chase. We had something called George Floyd happen. We had something called Colin Kaepernick resurface. We had something called Rashad Brooks being shot in Atlanta. We had Bubba Wallace happen. All of those things were completely unexpected, but affected the world in such a way that it allowed us to address it and talk about it, and it became a part of the structure of the show. How did you pitch that? And the irony to decide. How did you go? How did you well, have that conversation? Well, it's easy. You know, you talk about what's going on. Listen, yeah. you don't you don't run, okay, from reality or real life. Those people know that long, and the reason is because they're not authentic. If you're not authentic, you're not going to survive. Okay, and what I mean by that is. If you feel uncomfortable talking about it, then say that. I didn't feel uncomfortable talking about it because I'm a black man. This is my life. This is how I've lived. I know what's going on. And so I felt like my listeners needed to hear my point of view. Yeah. But it was easy to decide whether or not you're going to talk about it. And then when Rashad Brooks happened right in our city, right after many of these protests had happened, We had to address it. That wasn't Seattle. That wasn't Chicago. It was right here. So I say all of that to get to content happened, and it crossed over. And for the last three months, we've had the what-ifs of sports and coronavirus and how we're battling it, but we also had all of these major events that were intertwined with sports. Remember when – Ezekiel Elliott and Pat Mahomes and Michael Thomas and uh, Stephon Gilmore. I'm just going down with Chase Young, uh, Saquon Barkley. They made that powerful video that made the NFL respond. Yeah, We didn't expect that. So that was content that was just handed to us and screaming, hey, you guys got to talk about this. What's Roger Goodell going to do? What's the owners going to do? So all of these things played out, and literally now we get to – we're almost at the end of July, and sports is about to restart on a major level with the NBA, baseball, and God willing, we get to we get some football in the fall. If you had to ask the Falcons' front office what the rationale, if Colin Kaepernick was open to whatever deal they offered him, because I wrote about Kaepernick in the Falcons last year, and he worked out here, obviously, very mm-hmm. high-profile workout. Mm-hmm. Matt Schaub is washed. Matt Schaub is if Matt Ryan gets hurt this year, the season's over. Like immediately, certain teams around the league have a good backup. They can they can survive. The Falcons are not in that predicament. Matt Ryan's old, mid thirties. He's potentially like he's already played his best down of football. Like he had his MVP season two years ago. He should have won a Super Bowl. He's the best Falcons quarterback of all time. However, if he goes down and he missed a game last year, if he goes down, the Falcons season's over. Like, you just have to go ahead and bring it in. Like, Matt Shaw, we saw um, last year when he stepped in, just just not good. He doesn't have any more. What is the what, what would be their answer as to why Colin Kaepernick is not the backup for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, I think it's the same answer that most teams are giving. Whether you agree with it or not, or you think it's plausible, here's what teams are saying. One, to your point, we have a backup that we've invested in. Even if you don't think he's good, that's not the discussion. The discussion is we have a guy. It's why, for example, Cam Newton, and it took so long for Cam to get signed, was one, a lot of teams that were wanting quarterbacks went in the drafting bottom. Other teams went free agency, and there was a big um, question mark and cloud over the fact that whether Cam was healthy or not. So yeah. he had to wait, 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 wait. And if you look at Kaepernick's situation, again, this is not based on whether you like him or not. This is just from an NFL perspective. Um, was he blackballed? Yes. We now know that. Was he right we about what he was that, trying to do? But now yes. just, it, yes. We know for certain. It's, like something we've been saying for years, it finally right? just came out. They just openly admitted, yes, he, w- he was blackballed. Yeah, that, Correct. That, that happened. So 
he's been out of the league now, you know, going on four years, right? Three years and, and depending on, you know, when you look at his last game and how long he's, you know, so he's been on the field. How many guys do you know that leave the NFL and three years later they get a job? Zero. Yeah. So this is not uncommon. It's not that he's old and it's not that he can't play. But team basically valuing who they already have and where they, they think they want their franchise to go. And it has allowed them to basically not get involved in this calling conversation about whether or not he deserves a shot. See, the NFL has already, they've already achieved the goal of what they wanted. And I think this gets lost with people. People believe that Colin Kaepernick has to play for this to be a redemption story. That's not true. The redemption story happened when Roger Goodell admitted that they didn't listen to their players in the past, i.e. Kaepernick, Mm -hmm. and they should have. And because of that, we are now in this place. And guess what? If he wants to get back into the league, we are for it. That's the redemption. The fact that he's not getting signed is secondary because that's always going to be left up to team's discretion, a general manager's discretion, an owner's discretion. And every owner, Chase, can always say, I'm not interested. Yeah. But guess what the NFL can say? We, We want him back in the league. We hope he gets back in the league. We've opened up the door. That's the part about this that gets lost. Kaepernick's redemption was the admission of they screwed him. (laughs) And so now, whether he actually gets back in the league and plays, I don't know if he will. I don't know if there's a team. And and you asked about the Falcons specifically. Is Kaepernick better right now than Matt Schaub? Well, he's younger. I would guess he's more athletic and probably, you know, could do as much, if not more. But the Falcons aren't interested because they've committed to Schaub. And here's the other part about this. Everybody just expects, like, he's going to sign, and then, you know, the story just disappears. Is there any team in the NFL that wants to take on the responsibility that goes along with signing him? And now it's not negative. See, three years ago, everybody thought, oh, you sign him, it's a distraction. Well, it's not negative, but it's still a distraction from the standpoint of, Colin, what do you think? Colin, what are you saying? Colin, what, what does Colin think? This becomes a non-questionnaire for the media to pursue because they're hoping that Colin's going to say something. When, in fact, Colin probably just wants the ball, man. Yeah. I just want to be on the team. I want to go play. And, and he, won't, right, he won't get that opportunity, Chase, because whoever decides to sign him, it is now part and parcel a part of the bigger story. The NFL and where they are and why they're allowing the things that they're allowing is because this guy is now a bear, because this guy is now a Miami Dolphin, because this guy now is an Atlanta Falcon. That's just part of it. And, and most teams, okay, from people I've spoken with behind closed doors, as much as they think Cap deserves the opportunity, you see no one's given him that. Wouldn't you want to be the team, though? This is like where the NFL and the NBA are very different. Is wouldn't you want to be the team that, like, you want to be remembered as the owner that brought Kaepernick back in the league? Don't you want to look at just how history will reflect on your team and your group and your time in history, where you're the you're the team that finally got him back in the league and gave him another shot and let the chips fall where they may? Wouldn't you want to have that moment and see what happened? Because ultimately. It, it's the right thing to do. Like if you go straight down to the moral question of just like, Hey, if we need a backup, there's no reason for us to go out and sign the corpse of Matt Flynn. Uh, we are going to bring Colin Kaepernick in and see what happens because the fear mongering is one thing where, like you said, the distraction, all that kind of stuff, the players are not going to be distracted. I don't think the players are distracted by Colin Kaepernick and what he, they, they all support him. There's no, there, it's not going to be like this 50-50 split locker room where they're like, oh, half the team is upset that he's there and the other half is not. And then the coaching staff is really, no, Pete Carroll's already said he, he like they considered signing Kaepernick and he would sign Kaepernick, whatever. Like, I don't think that's reality. I think it's just fear mongering as an excuse to avoid 
actually coming through on this kind of stuff where i think that's overblown like cam i would say like he takes over locker room like if you want to say that cam would not be able to be a backup in san diego or in los angeles because of how just strong of a personality is and how just everyone is drawn to him and that it would just be very hard for a quarterback in front of him to be the leader of a team when he is sitting right behind him just because of his enigmatic personality that he's just naturally somebody who you want to follow and he he's a galvanizing leader that is a different conversation than i think than kaepernick who has said that he wants to earn his way back in the league like i don't think it would go that way and i think it's just an excuse of this straw man argument um in regards to kaepernick of just like oh the distraction it's like i don't think so i think he's just gonna play football and then if somebody gets hurt and he gets a shot then who knows i think he just he wants to revitalize his career he misses playing football you asked about the owners and why wouldn't they? I, I would return the question: What's their objective? Mm, money. What's the what? What's the objective? I mean, I don't disagree with your moral side of it. With you know, why wouldn't they? But these are thirty-two billionaires who are business people first and foremost. Mm. Most of them don't know football or didn't know it when they got into it. Yeah. Those that have been owners for years have learned about it from the football people they've hired, whether it be their own experiences. But at the end of the day, they're, they're business folks. If you're asking me to be morally you know, vested in signing a player because it's the right thing to do, well, I, I would tell you that teams don't win that way. Yeah. And fans want those kinds of things to play out because they – are a feel-good story, but the Patriots didn't win for 20 years because they were morally vested in players. Yeah, It's not how it works. Right. So, you know, it, 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 I get where you're going with it, and I totally agree with why wouldn't the team, but I always tell people, what, what is the objective of owners? And I've, I've had conversations with over half of the NFL owners, which is saying a lot in my career. Yeah. Um, and I, when I say conversations, whether it has been like this on a phone call or, or a you know, private session or being at a party or having friends that go, yo, I'm going somewhere and come with me. And you go, where are we going? And we're going to such and such. Or, Who's going to be there? Owner of such and such is going to be there. No, he's not. We get there and he's there. And the point is, those moments where you get to be around those individuals, you start to realize and I always say this, you realize why they are who they are. You realize why the Bob Crafts are who they are. The Jerry Jones are who they are. You, you know, mean? Bob McNair, who owned the Houston Texans and his family, you realize it. And so I just don't think that's the objective is as they sit around and try to build their football team and trust their football people to say, hey, you know what? Man, this Kaepernick thing is morally it's the right thing to do. You know what, Jeff? Let's just go sign it. That's not how it works. Yeah. I have a last thing on Kaepernick and the Falcons, and we'll move on. Something I've posited, and I, I believe this wholeheartedly. Um, if he was number seven for the Falcons, like if, let's just say they signed him as a backup, a uh, veteran's sure. minimum, whatever. Is there any doubt that there are more number seven Kaepernick Falcons jerseys? Let's say the stadium's full, there's no corona. Is there any doubt he's yes. the highest selling jersey? Nope. No doubt. Here, yeah. Here's the thing, Chase. It doesn't even I matter agree. what team he he goes to. He's if if out, he yeah. went to, what was the pick the worst team in the league? I don't care who you think it is. Okay, he goes there. He's the number one selling jersey. Period. Totally agree with you. And that's something that owners have to consider. Like it's it's still a money thing, but he's getting deals. He's getting deals with Disney. Like Kaepernick has proven to be good for your company. He is good for your bottom line and. Like you said, the redemption story is well, in there. And I I think he sells a lot of merch and he gets more people in the building just by even still just being a backup. Yeah. I, I, you know why Kaepernick is getting deals, though? And it gets back to what I, I mentioned earlier when you were asking about how to decide, you know, whether or not we were going to talk about certain things. People now know this, and, and if they doubted it four or five years ago when he started, you know, protesting, you know, police brutality and, and equal inequality, he, he's authentic. He, he hasn't changed. You know, Muhammad Ali was authentic. 
there's something to be said about yeah. that. And that is why, you know, he is bar. absolutely. You go down the list. Bill Russell, Jackie Robinson, you go down the list. Yeah. there's something to be said about that. Now, when you're talking about people who have given up everything to pursue what they feel is right, rarely in America has it happened where ultimately there is financial gain. Okay. Yeah. But in this situation, I think our country's in a different place. And that is why he's getting these opportunities to, to gain on what, what he has started. Yeah. Well, I hope for the best, and I hope to one day see him on the sidelines. I, I do, too. I, I don't think – I've been saying this for three years, and I said it after all the stuff that happened here this offseason. I still don't think he's going to get a chance. I would love to see it happen. I don't think so either. But I just, I, I just don't think he's going to get a chance. I will say I don't think it's the Falcons. I think there's like a – I would put there's only one team that would do it at this point, and I would put it like a 20%, and it's still the Seahawks. The Seahawks still – for like Russell Wilson still plays Antonio Brown. Like the Seahawks have shown that they do not care. They are good with the blowback. They're good with whatever. They're going to do what they think is in the best interest of the team. Like, I don't think there is any doubt if Russ is like, I want Kaepernick in here, that they would not seriously consider it. I think that would be the, the, and they would also be an ideal landing spot because of just their playing style and just having Kaepernick be uh, in there in Seattle with their, their past duels when he was in San Francisco years ago. Um, that'd be cool. That'd be a good good story but um i'm with you i don't think it's still probably gonna happen um what have you and mike learned about each other during these last few months of no sports and learning as you go on just what to do with this radio show with no sports going on what did we what did we learn yeah what have you learned about each other because you haven't had just the easy the easy things just like sports okay the falcons are doing this the braves are playing now so we'll talk about the braves for a couple hours like what have you learned about just how each other works and just figuring this out because i mean you guys do five hours a day um monday through friday like how what what have you learned is there anything new that you've learned from um the 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 quarantine and everything else um you know, I think that you have to be more uh, in tune and uh, more of an attentive listener. I know this sounds weird, but in a studio environment where you're looking at somebody every day, you're looking at your computer, you're seeing things come in, you've got a producer in your ear, you've got a board op who's telling you, you know, you got X amount of time or we need to do this. There's a lot of maneuvering going on. But during this pandemic, it's just been me in my office. And even though we have been able to handle all the daily tasks of, of having a normal show as normal as possible, I think just being the attentive listener has, because there are times where in that studio environment, you're looking at somebody, they're talking, and sometimes it's blah, 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 because you're your mind is three steps ahead. And especially when you're the league and you're running a show, you're thinking about, we got this guest coming up. We got to make sure we, we talk about this. Um, there's a lot that's happening and it's real time. And oh, by the way, he may stop his comment. I have to have known what he was saying. So I don't repeat it yeah. and be able to chime in. So that element, as good as it is, sometimes can be detrimental because you tune out and it's not purposely. It has nothing to do with me not liking what he's saying or, you know, Mike is my boy, but it has more to do with just the elements of being in a studio environment, being at home. I got my headsets on and I'm listening (laughs) and I'm listening. Mm -hmm. I'm just, and, and it has allowed us, I think to have more interesting conversations based on the, the material that we've been talking about. I don't like know this. if... Do you think you're better I, yeah. or worse? I, I don't know if we're better. I, I, you know, but here's the, the, the brilliance of what we do as far as how I see Mike and I. We know each other well enough that we're like old friends. You know, everybody in their life at some point, whether you it's a childhood friend or a college friend, and you lose contact with them. And then you pick up the phone five years later and it's like, boom, nothing was lost. Or 15 years later and nothing has been lost. That is kind of how we are 
in the sense that we could be away from each other. He takes vacation, I take vacation, you know, whatever. We come back, it's like we never missed. I'm passing the ball, he's dribbling, he's passing it back, I'm shooting the jumper. So knowing each other like that and knowing about the individual really helps. And that creates a really good partnership. But I don't know if we're better. I would just tell you, if you ask me what I've learned, that's the thing I think that I've learned is being here, being more attentive to the conversation that's actually taking place. And then where else can we go with it is the thing that I think I've learned. Interesting. Um, Weirdest thing you found yourself doing during the quarantine? Not showering. Not giving a damn. How many days have you gone? What's Early on, so far? well, it, it's changed now because I, I think like a lot of people, and this may may trip people out or whatever, maybe, maybe not, but I think early on, I was oh, kind of no. depressed. Oh, okay. Like a lot of people. Yeah. When this first happened, where did you think I was going with that? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know. It could have go, gone a lot darker. I didn't know where we were going. Yeah. No, no. I was, but, but depressed in the sense like most people. Oh, crap. It's a podcast, right? Yeah. Oh, I can say shit. No, you oh, can say shit. shit. Fuck. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. yeah I, I'm so used to watching what I say. But, 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 you know, oh, shit. Where's this going? How long is this going to be going on? You know, what, what's going on with schools and jobs? And, and, and I don't know if you remember this or not. Maybe, you know, you weren't affected by it. But I don't know, two weeks maybe after we got sent home and everybody was at home for the most part and the lockdown happened. There were a huge amount of layoffs in my business, yeah, like monster numbers. Okay. And great people. I know people I've worked with people I'm fond of people that are amazing individuals at their jobs had nothing to do with their performances. Yeah. They just got laid off because it was the economics of where the country was and where business was. And so, Two weeks after that, after we got sent home, that happened. And that will jolt your system. You know, no matter how good I am or how good I think I am or what people may think of me, you see really good people losing their jobs around you and you're like, damn, okay. So I'm going through that. My wife is furloughed or, you know, laid off for the time being. Um, it was actually furloughed, but still, you know, it's one of those things where, okay, still uncertain, still scared. you're at home and nobody was doing anything. And so I just thought, you know, screw it. What am I getting up and showering for? So there was probably mm-hmm. about a three, four week period where I just got up, did my thing and <laughs> didn't give a damn. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying you didn't shower for a month? Oh, yeah, chase somewhere around there. It oh was, it's what it was. God. All right. It, oh my God. I mean, God. you know, I mean. What did you so here's what say? Happened. She didn't, like, I'm amazed she allowed a month. She said, well, she, here's, the, here's what's funny. Uh, and I told Darren Hills this. Uh, uh, it was somewhere around there. I mean, come on, who's counting the days back then? Listen, Darren Hills, the president of Atlanta United, he, they, we went on their podcast. Um, it's called Spiked Up. And, and I was telling this story about, you know, you just, you kind of lost track. You didn't give a damn. You, everybody was out of their routine. And finally, my wife just went, you know, um, you, you got to get, you got to get in your routine again. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So fast forward. Here's the good news. Fast forward. You asked about the bad or whatever, the, the worst habit. or whatever No, I didn't say bad. You went bad. Don't put that on me. You went bad. You went no showering. You went depressed. That was not me. I said weirdest. Don't even put that on me. I did not take us down this dark yes. corridor. Okay. So that, that was, was all you, weird. Carl. It was all weird. Yeah. Okay. But, but fast forward. And I'm totally in a routine, you know, being at home now again. Um, you know, I'm working out. I'm doing everything that, that makes my life feel as normal as possible. But it was a process. And I think a lot of people went through that. And, and here's the thing. You know, we, we, didn't, we don't live necessarily. We didn't live in New York or, you know, some of the cities that were completely locked down where you really couldn't do anything. Um, I still went on walks and did things, but it was just. It was a big adjustment, man. And so if you were going to say weird, that would probably be the thing for me. Interesting. Okay. Well, now I know I got to be careful when I ask you questions about weirdness because who knows? Where... Hey, man, I'm always going to be truthful with you, bro. I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, how long when you, because I've always been interested about this because like I do my show and it's by myself and I, I like it's all different guys all the time and I love it, but it's 
it's different when you have a radio partner, like someone who's there every day, yeah. or you get you you kind of have to like figure it out on the fly. Where like there are certain people who come on a show that like it just for whatever reason like there's just no chemistry, but they're not there tomorrow because I have somebody else and we're talking about something different. So I don't have to like worry about okay, how do I make this work? How do I fix this? Is there a way to make this interesting? How do we get on the same page? For you and Mike, when you found out that y'all were going to be working together and everything else, like how long did it take for you to kind of realize, okay, this can work long-term and we have the right chemistry that will that will be long-lasting? So I would explain this to you like um, you have a, a best friend that you hang out with, like yes. you guys just buy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for Mike and I, years before we actually got a chance to work together, that was us. We'd see each other at Super Bowls, Final Fours, um, big boxing matches, big events that were going on around the country. And in different places, they always run into each other. The one thing about both of us is even though we're uniquely different, outside of us looking different, I'm saying different as in personality as well, and, and even upbringing, we are both rooted in fun. We can get together and just have a blast bullshitting, having fun, cracking up, having a drink, clowning around, talking. And the next thing you know, three hours have passed by. And early on, we, I think we both realized that our personalities mixed that way. Um, even though, again, you know, we, we, we come from different places. That was something that was unique. And we had always said kind of jokingly, you know, well, man, if we get to work together, I think we have a kick-ass show. Yeah, so too. Because it would be just, you're getting, it's this, it's us, bullshitting, and having a good time. And that is kind of how I would explain it. There have been partners in my career that, to your point about, how I make this work. We don't vibe. They're not funny. Uh, they don't laugh at my jokes. Whatever it might be, you, you're, it's a struggle. This has never been a struggle. It's why it's been successful. Finding a partner and partnering up in this business, if you're going to do it, and I've done both. I've had my own show, and I've partnered up, and I've had some good partners, partners and I've had some terrible partners. <laughs> um, but it's the hardest thing to do in this business, period. People will say, oh, yeah, we're just going to partner up this guy with this person. It doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is because they haven't found out what Mike and I knew years ago about each other. You don't find that out overnight. No. So there were years that we do this and see each other and hang out and we've got stories going back 15 years going, you know, you remember that night we went, you, you know, the, the funny story about Mike is this is how my wife found out about Mike. We went out one night in Vegas and Mike, we, uh, we went partying and don't get fired. Carl. No, 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 no. It's nothing like that. <laughs> now, we've told these stories on the air. And listen, if there's something we can't tell, we ain't telling y'all shit. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, but we, we go out partying, and at the end of the night, we're hammered. We're, it's not on the clock. This is not, you know, this is on our own time. Right. And, uh, and literally, Mike is like, yo, hey, man, uh, we got to split this bill. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I handed my card, <laughs> and the bill was like three grand. Whoa, okay. Whoa. And this was like. This was early 2000s. This Wait, is not is like split? 20. It was, it was split three grand, or it was three grand total? No, no, it was, yeah, let's split three grand, okay? okay? Somewhere around there. I don't remember the exact total. So, but I didn't know this. Like, literally, I'm like, yeah, here's my card. So, we leave. You know, next couple of days, we hang out. I get back home. This is how my wife met Mike. True story. <laughs> um, and the bill comes, like, a month later. And the bill shows up, and so, she's hot. I get home. She's looking at me. What the hell were you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? And so she's going in. I have no idea. So finally, she shows me this bill, right? And it's like, I don't know, 1200 and, you know, 1300 and something dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Dude, I didn't even remember. 
I had, I didn't even recommend. I didn't even remember anything. So I'm like, what is this? I don't know what it is, but it's this, and I don't know what you were doing out there. And so all of a sudden, I just start laughing because I'm like, you son of a. And Mike knew all along what the bill was and never said to me. He didn't tell me. You know, he, he was like, oh, all night long. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, he jacked me, right? So I ended up calling him and I'm telling you know, my wife, listen, this dude, this guy's in Atlanta. He's a friend, you know, and my wife's like, BS. And so literally I called Mike. I was like, yeah, man, I just got my credit card bill, you idiot. And he's just crying on the phone, you know, and, and literally that's, that's how my wife, my wife's like, I don't need you hanging around this mic, <laughs> but that's, that's the fun. And that's, you know, we, that's, that's just a little bit of the stuff that we've done. And, you know, but the irony to all of that is, and, and I think he would tell you this, we go out, he pays, I, we go out, I pay, we never worry about that bullshit we go and we have a good time and at the end of the day that is why we have remained the way we are the oh i gotta ask you a question like what would you say people would be most surprised about mike bell that they do not already know from listening to your show he's actually a really caring dude Mm. um you might think he's an asshole you might think he's a smart ass and he is all of those things but he's a really a caring guy. Interesting. Okay. Well, good to make sure that, cause I know he's listening. He follows me on Twitter. So good, good save there. I'm <laughs> sure that he was not being mad at you for that story. Um, no, 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 no. We, we've shared that and maybe not to, even to that extent, but we've talked about it cause it's just funny, you know, how life is and you go, what the hell are we doing? But I, I feel that, um, the craziest Atlanta story that you have since you moved here. Oh man. <laughs> so I don't know if it's, it's, it's the craziest, but it's one of them. I'll, I'll share this with you. So when I got here, we started the radio station in 2012. And at the time when we started the radio station, my partner was Cordell Stewart. Cordell played obviously in the NFL, nicknamed Slash, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, was legendary in his ability to, you know, Slash could do everything and had a really amazing career. Um, he may be even better known for his Hail Mary at Colorado yeah. that has been played, you know, umpteenth million times around the world. Still uh, and, and some, uh, some nightmares. Yeah. And so that, that Hail Mary against Michigan. Um, but Cordell's a really cool guy. And when I got here, Cordell was um, married to um, Portia. Um, and so this was his wife. And so they were showing Atlanta Housewives. Mm-hmm. And so when we got here, when uh, we started the show, he was on the TV show with her. And, um, you know, they would have to film and do all this stuff. And, so the show was actually like a side. Our show was, was you know, kind of involved in it. But the funny thing is, uh, you know, we did that show for about, I don't know, almost two years. And at the end of it, they were going through a divorce. And so there would be people posted up in our parking lot. TMZ reporters, because it was entertainment news. And people were always trying to get me and, you know, to, to talk about it and, and basically, uh, you know, throw them under the bus. And as much as I knew, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about the, the entities of what was going on, but it was crazy always to come after the show or, you know, be getting to the show and have somebody go, hey, hey, Dukes, can I, can I get a word? And you're like, who are you? And it was always people scheming to try to get some dirt. And it was just fun but weird in the same way and i'd always come upstairs and i'd be like man you know get your people and he'd be like what are you talking about and i'm like you know i've been stopped three times a day and we he'd have to hide his car <laughs> so that people didn't know where he parked oh so that God. he wouldn't be bombarded um it was really crazy man at the end with, with that whole situation but that's one of the 
Uh, it's not a sports-related story, but it's one of those stories that I always said, I'm going to put in the book one day. Do you all still talk? <laughs> yes, he's doing great. Okay. Terrific. His son, he's got a son that plays ball. His name's Sire. Um, Cordell's a really good dude, man. Really good guy. Um, do you like the Yasiel Puig signing for the Braves? Because um, it was one of my favorite things today. I love Yasiel Puig. And I, I just... Exiting Nick Markakis and inserting... Yes, yeah, please. Just it speaks to my soul, Carl. I feel great. Well, it's been a great day. <laughs> well, listen, they're trying to do what they should do. I mean, I, I, I really like Alex Anthopoulos. Mm-hmm. I do, and you know, I'm not saying that because he's done some special favors. Um, I had a chance to cover baseball for a long time and got to know a lot of general managers and, and being around the game. He knows what he's doing, um, and he has a vision. I don't know if Liberty Media is going to hold him as far as the checkbook's concerned when it comes, you know, to, to doing some of the things. But if you look at our offseason, they keep cutting checks. I mean, they weren't, they weren't holding back. Um, showing up that bullpen was expensive. And then, you know, you go get Travis Darno, you, you go get Ozuna. I mean, they're one-year deals, but they're still, you know, significant. I, I just think Alex is doing exactly what you have to do and filling in the blanks. We have the superstar players in Freddie Acuna. You know, um, I love what Dansby did last year, and he's one of my favorites coming on because I think people underestimate Dansby. He works hard. Um, but we've got these players, Ozzy. You got all this. Now, how do I fill in the blanks? And I think, you know, the Puig, the Puig thing is something that for a short season, I think is really good work. I think it could be really big for us. Uh, you're on your own on the Dansby stuff. I've I the Dan like Dansby Swanson is one of those players that like if you remove who he was drafted, where he was drafted, what happened when he was drafted, the trade that he was involved with, like if he was just a seventh round guy that uh, they acquired from the Rangers, yeah, nobody would be excited about him. Nobody would care. They would just be like, he's not part of our long term build. He's not a part of anything. Like he's good defender. He's fine. His bat's not there. He has no play discipline. Like he's he's not gonna be a star. Like if you remove the first overall pick stuff, then you would start looking at him fairly. Just the amount of people that I've read and people I've talked to, like Dansby is not going to be a star. He is not a franchise guy. Like the franchise guys are already locked up. It's Albies and it's Acuna. Like those are the two. And sure. then Freeman, as long as he's healthy and good in his prime. I, I I just the Dansby stuff. I it's it's mind boggling to me. Like I I don't see it. I don't so, get it. So, He's an so guy. You, but but right. you just said it. Here here's the difference. I didn't say he was a superstar. No, I don't. Think I said I like Dansby. guy. He's like a he's a Dante Divincenzo maybe. <laughs> no, no, he's better than that. No, his gloves better than that. Was a important player on a title team this year. Like I, that's actually kind of a little too high. I can give him. Um, I can go lower. Who can I go? Um, Jalen Adams. He's got some. Oh, Jaylen stop! To... <laughs> you, you know what? Now, now, now you're reaching. Hey, here's the deal. You just said it. The, the differentiating thing is Dansby isn't a superstar. He's not a franchise player. I don't no. have a problem with that. But Dansby is a key cog and a very good player on a very good team. And people take those players for granted. The problem is what you just said. You saw him get drafted number one overall. You're going, he's 26. He's supposed to be a franchise player. Dance fit in perfect for what they're trying to ask him to do. And last year, he actually hit. He came on. He, was, he did what he, what he was supposed to do. If he can put up those similar kinds of numbers, then we're going to be fine. If you have an issue with where Dancy was drafted, and now you're going, well, he's a bum because well, no, that's he, not his he's fault. not a franchise. That's his fault. No, it's not. But he's not a. I, I didn't call him a franchise player. I said I like him a lot, and he works hard. There's a difference. But if you look at last year's numbers, where you know in 480 at bat, this dude, we said, can he hit 250? He did. You know, that's you. Know, he's not a power hitting shortstop, even though he had 17 home runs last year. That's not his mo, man. His stick, his club is where he's going to earn his money. I um. I don't think he's earning his money here. They have too many other players they have to worry about paying. And um, that's the other thing is like they got lucky with Acuna and Albies um, signing the contract that they did. But um, they have so many pitchers in the pipeline that they're going to face a at some point. They're going to pay for it at some point. Um, 
invest in the bullpen like Christian Pache. We'll see what happens there. Um, but there's yep. just a lot of guys to pay. And I he just doesn't qualify as a guy to pay. Like once his contract, like you don't re-sign Dansby. Like that's someone you just like someone else overpay. He is a classic, like someone else is going to be like, oh yeah, maybe we can fix it. But like he had a WRC plus of 92 last year, league average is 100. Year before that, 80. Year before that, 64. Like he is never been an above average hitter, not even an average hitter. I, you can, you can have all, all the, uh, the Dansby stock you would like folks. Um, he's fine. He's just like, you know, what well, I'm, glad, I'm glad I'll to like know Chase that you, I'll you, like you, 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 no, you don't, no, you don't, no, I you, like no, you don't, you just said he sucks. You, I, I just heard you say Here he what I said, here's what I'm saying at 34 years old, he's going to be a great veteran shortstop making the league minimum for like the Seattle Mariners. That's when he'll be like, oh, good value signing. I'm okay with it. That's when I'm okay with Dancy Swanson. That is when <laughs> I'll be terrible. okay with it. <laughs> no, I, I, I will disagree with you. I, I do think he's got a place in the league. And, and the problem is that if you see him as a superstar and you conflict that with him where he was picked. I would just think average. See him. He's not even average. You're, you're, then, you're, then, then you're going to have a problem with him. Um, there are plenty of guys that come into the league that are highly picked and highly touted. They find their place, and that doesn't always – matter of fact, most times it doesn't equate to being superstars. Acuna, different world. Talent level, the whole 9-5 tool, Dansby can't touch that. That's not, But that's not what he is, and that's not what they're asking him to do. Okay, that's fair. You can oh, – well, But I hear, I hear you. I, I hear the disdain in your voice for him, man. I'll let him know. I'm going to call him right after we get done. I mean, I, he seems like a nice guy. Like, I don't have any problems with him off the field. I he just – uh, as a baseball player. No, he, he is. And, and and listen, everybody's got to work on stuff, man. Why we knew that Dan's was not a great... Me, Carl. I thought we've had a good conversation. You're out here... I, I would never do that. I, you're the one that is he, at 34, he's going to be an athlete. I said you at 34, he'll it. be a value signing that I'll I'll like. I'm going to write about it at some point. He'll be good for the Pirates at batting at the three spot at one point. Yeah, that's when I'll like it. He's got Well, I'll say this. In, unless... Uh, unless you are um, going to go the free agent route and bring in somebody else that you feel like is going to be better and cheaper. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Cause he's not going to, he's not going to cost you what, what uh, an elite shortstop is going to cost you. He's not. We'll see. We'll see. Um, then you're really going to hate my AJ Terrell take. It's your pin tweet. Uh Oh, you're it's your pin tweet. And this is how we can wrap up here, Carl. Um, All right. Carlos Medina of 68 The Fan was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about this. And um, his team, the Cowboys, um, took CeeDee Lamb. The Falcons had an opportunity to take CeeDee Lamb. The Falcons chose to reach on a cornerback. Um, First-year corners are not good in this league. It's it's almost a, a given that A.J. Terrell will not be good at football this year. He might be good in year two. He might be good in year three. He might be all pro in year three. The Falcons have a lot riding on this year, like the coaching staff, everything else. If you want to ensure job security and you want to ensure that this offense and fans will want to watch this team, you go 11 personnel 99% of the time, like the Rams did two years ago with Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and uh, Robert Woods. You go, Mm. let's see how you defend CeeDee Lamb, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley on the field together and Hayden Hurst when it, it calls for it. Let's just see what you do. No one in this league can match that. That would be immediately the best wide receiver trio in the NFL. I'm a believer in building on what you're great at and just becoming elite. It's the Shanahan model. It is just the Belichick model. Like we are going to pinpoint like what the Chiefs do every week. They target two people. They target Travis Kelsey and they target Tyreek Hill. If you look at their targets for Patrick Mahomes week in, week out, they're getting 23 targets per game. It's like 26 completions, 23 are going to two guys. The Falcons are similar with the Julio targets and the Calvin Ridley targets. And it was Austin Hooper too, because Matt Ryan likes his guys. AJ Terrell is not going to save your season. The Falcons are still going to have a defensive DVOA somewhere around like 18 to 19. What would have happened though, potentially, if you had just taken CD Lamb, the best player on the board at the time, then you put your offense in a situation where like, we could be the number two offense in football. That's getting you in the playoffs. There's, there is a much better opportunity for you to have playoff success and have a better regular season this year by throwing CeeDee Lamb to the mix than trying to plug in a rookie cornerback with another corner who, I mean, he looks okay. We'll see what happens, but I there's just no way. I don't trust this defense. I've never trusted this defense with Dan Quinn, who I like a lot. 
I would just build on what you're already great at. And what this team is already great at is offense. And you could be elite again, which is what got them to the Super Bowl two years ago. They were an elite offensive football team. And doing the defensive stuff over and over again, expecting it to get in the top 10 in defensive DBA is just silly to me. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. And he's not going to fix it. CD Lamb puts you at number two, number three offensive DBA. And all those teams make the playoffs. This is an offense-driven league. If you're offense, an offense year in, year out is more likely to be sustainable as an elite offense than defense. Defense fluctuates. Like the Vikings we saw a couple years ago, they were elite and they're back down in the middle of the pack. Like defense is very hard to continue on year in, year out. Offense is not. So if you have CeeDee Lamb, Julio, and Ridley in the pipeline for a couple years, you guarantee you have a top five offense for three to four years. You almost guarantee playoff bursts it's it was an overthought of just the highest magnitude and i will always say that was one of the dumbest picks in atlanta sports history behind the all-time worst the all-time worst draft day trade luka Doncic for trey young but that is a conversation <laughs> <Here we> go. <laughs> that felt good that felt really good. I'm getting really good at these these takes. I'm I'm getting good. I feel comfortable. Carl. I I I see that. I, you know what? Makes perfect. You're doing great. Yes, you're doing you're doing great. So, what are you asking me about this? How do you explain it? How do you explain your AJ Terrell stuff? How do you how do you back not taking CD Lamb there after everything I just gave you? Make the case that AJ Terrell was the right pick for the Falcons there. I can't. I can't make that case. Okay. Uh, what I can tell you, I can't make that case. What I can tell you is they were desperately in need after Robert Trufant and 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 uh, or Robert Alford, should I say, and, and Trufant were were gone. Um, they like Sheffield a lot. I like Sheffield a lot. I think he's a legit man up cover guy. Um, Isaiah Oliver learned on the job and got better last year. Um, but for me, corners are like relievers in baseball. You can never have enough good corners. And to your point about, you know, explosive offenses, that's everybody in the league. What if the Falcons have to play the Chiefs? Oh, wait, they do this year. How it's do you match shootout. up? It's going to be a shootout no matter what. How, how, do you, how do you match up? It may be. But guess what? You still have to put guys on the field that can attempt to defend. No, I so, don't care. I'm not going. I'm not going to tell you that AJ was the right pick. I I I think, as I've said, I'm not going to kill this pick. I need to see what the young man can do. I want to see him on the field. I want to see him perform. This is what I know about AJ Terrell, though. He had over uh, a thousand snaps. I don't know what the exact number is. I forget exactly. At Clemson where he played for multiple national championships in some of the biggest games over the last three years. This whole thing about experience, he has lived it. I know that everybody wants to criticize AJ for you know his inability to defend LSU. Nobody that, defended yeah. LSU. Yeah, I don't. I don't like any of that. Nobody. So that's that's not even where I want to go with this. What I would tell you is that if you're saying you would have went CD Lamb over AJ Terrell, okay, I have no problems with that. I just think the Falcons felt like they had invested in an age uh, of CD lamb, uh, the two previous years or two years earlier with Calvin Ridley. And that is how they may have looked at that and said, you know what? Even when this is why this is bullshit about best player on the board teams just say that all the time. It's not true. Even if you thought he was the best player on the board, you were willing to go take another receiver after you had just drafted Calvin Ridley. You just played Julio $90 million. Absolutely. It's not happening. It's he not could get one out next so, year. He could just be like, "I'm tired of this. I want to leave." He get he hangs out. He could. LA. He could just be like, "I want to go to L.A." Easily. Yep. He could force his way out. He, he could. And you know what? That's when you deal with it. But you don't you don't deal with it now when you've already protected yourself by going out and getting what I believe is a number one in Calvin Ridley. So mm. I can't argue what you're saying. That's that's semantics as far as this guy being better. This is what I know about the NFL draft and why I love it. In three years, we'll know. In three years, we'll know if CeeDee Lamb's the shit. In three years, we'll know if A.J. Terrell is living up to his potential. Guarantee. Yeah. It doesn't take eight years. No. Three years, we'll know. And then we can have this conversation because 
I didn't poo-poo the pick simply because it was a need, but I also wanted to say, how in the hell could they go that route? I want to be wrong about these things. I want to be wrong about the Luca Trey stuff. I want to be wrong about AJ Terrell versus CD Lamb. I want to be wrong about the these kind of things. Like I don't want to be right about this, but CD Lamb's gonna be playing in the playoffs this fall if there is an NFL season. I'm not sure about AJ Terrell yet. Uh, we'll we'll see. Um, but let me lastly list off the top eight offenses in offensive DVOA last year: one Baltimore, two Dallas, three KC, four New Orleans, five Seattle, six Tennessee, seven San Francisco, eight Green Bay. All playoff teams. All, all eight. If you have CD Lamb in there, you're yes. in the top eight, and then you're in the playoffs. Well, no he, doubt. Here's the other part that you're missing, though. You, you're missing the top four. Actually, I think the top five were also tops in rushing the football. Mm, Th- that doesn't go. That doesn't go unnoticed. San Francisco Ravens led the league. Well, that's because they throw it around. That, exactly. They, they so have the a unique Dirk Cutter's running this offense. When has he ever had a good They have attack? a unique situation. But the Falcons didn't go to the Super Bowl throwing it around. No. They went to the Super Bowl because they could run the football. It allowed Matt to be balanced, and teams yeah. had to defend both. There is that, that, that's, a, that's very simplistic what you're saying, but the reality is that the teams that you just mentioned, half of them were great rushing teams this last season. I also think good rushing teams is a product of being ahead a lot. So if you're a team that is ahead, like you get out to 21 to seven leads in the first half, that generally speaking, you're going to be a better rushing team because you're going to end up running the ball a lot in the second half because you're trying to kill clock. Um, I think those two go hand in hand. So I think generally speaking, good teams are good rushing teams because they're playing from ahead. And when you're playing from ahead in football into the third and fourth quarter, you're going to be running the ball more than other teams who are going to have to pass and try to get back into games. Um, but. It's an advantage. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't. Uh, yeah, it is an advantage, and it completely changes the other side of things. If you get down twenty-one, you're not running the football. No. Um. But yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. But um, the the best part, and Carl, because you got me in the depressed mood based on your comments forty-five minutes ago on this podcast, that like I've I've taken a dark turn. But um, to wrap things up about what not showering. Oh yeah, I mean everything. Uh, that that all of that. I I don't know, the Carl. We we we've been thrown off. But no, the showering. Like, are, are you showering now? Do we at least know for sure? Of course. You... Okay, good. We're no, back on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I told you, I got a routine now. We're good. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, I just I hope Atlanta's ready for Luca to win the MVP next year. I just I hope they're ready for this. I I'm nervous they're not, and um, it's coming. He's top five in Raptor. The other four ahead of him in 538's Raptor stat, all MVPs, previous MVPs. It's um, it's coming, and the Mavericks are gonna be a top four team in the West, and uh, Luca's gonna be averaging 30, 10, and 10, and uh, it uh, it's gonna make me cry because um, he could have been here, and it makes me sad every day. Just the biggest Luca stand of all time, and I will never forget where I was um, when we drafted him and then traded him. Um, oh, I will never forgive him. You know I'll what? Never forgive yeah. I will never do uh, it. Again, let, let's see it play out. I do like Luca's game. I do think he is is going to be what you are projecting. But I also think the guy we have is going to be pretty damn good as well. He's the second well. best player in the draft. Yeah, if you had just drafted him number two and Luca got number one, I'm no one's complaining. Like if he, they drafted the second best player in the draft, but they traded the best. It's just um, I don't know that uh, Marvin Bagley sucks. DeAndre Ayton probably not a winning player. A lot of empty calories there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, other teams made mistakes. Hawks. Trey Young's going to be great. He's going to be a 10-time All-Star. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer one day. He's just, uh, he's not Luka. And, um, unfortunately, I have to watch him on another <laughs> team every year, Carl. And you can tell the somberness in my voice that um, it hurts me every day. Um, Carl, we can listen to you every weekday on 99 The Game, 2 to 7. Is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Where can we get your beer? Do I get a twelve pack for having the podcast? When do I get stuff shipped to me? What, what I, you know? What I do, I do think you deserve a six pack of Heyman L. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Uh, tw- a twelve might put you under the table, but yeah, oh. six for sure. Okay, six for okay. sure. Um, but yeah, man. Um, tune into the show. Check things out. Um, you know, I, I there's a lot going on that I have in the works, but. Nothing that I uh, want to announce as of yet. You know, people know at me, but uh, I appreciate it, Chase. And, you know, I, I know you're working hard to 
get this going. Uh, congratulations on your success, and I uh, hope you keep pushing and and seeing where you can take this thing. And uh, and you know, I, I want to see you continue to grow and and get better and do all the things that you're doing, man. So continue success. I appreciate that, man. Let's just go become Atlanta sports broadcast stars. What? We we can all be stars. It can't. It doesn't need to be to be just one. It could be all of us. There's room for everybody to eat. Always remember that. Yeah, I agree. Carl Dukes, thank you so much. We will uh, have to do this again soon. This is a lot of fun, man. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.